I want to say hi to everyone who's with us in Mesa, everyone who's with us in South Mountain. Uh, also, we have a new campus, if you didn't hear about it, at Fountain Hills. It's going to be coming soon. And uh, we believe we're going to be able to launch that by mid-September. And we'll be giving you more information about that soon. So just kind of stay tuned that God is giving us great opportunity to reach people in a community that needs the church, needs more churches that are life-giving and gospel-preaching. Uh, and so we believe that in Jesus' name, we're going to see great things happen for his glory and that a lot of people are going to be touched. Isn't that good? We got chapels joining us today, and it's great to be with you as we start a new series on emotional health. I think a lot of people have a negative view of emotions. We tend to celebrate those who are kind of level-headed, and we're skeptical of other people who are overly driven by emotions or let emotions play a big role in their decision-making. Where's my men at today? Men, show of hands. Uh, okay, there's five-minute church. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Uh, men tend to struggle, have a complicated relationship with emotions. We don't so much have a hard time showing emotions like excitement or anger, but we do, I think, struggle to show emotions that make us feel weak. Amen. And you're like sadness or loneliness or disappointment or when our feelings are hurt. Yeah, we're not going to admit our feelings are hurt. We're just going to get mad and punch a wall. Women tend to be a little bit more comfortable showing their emotions, but it's still complicated for women. Like, I know some women that are working in the professional environments, they often kind of feel like they have to contain their emotions and suppress their emotions in order to be respected by their coworkers. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I want you to understand this, that feeling emotional isn't bad. It doesn't mean you're weak or that you're an irrational person. We have emotion because we're made in the image of God, and God has emotion. This is an important part of who we are. The Bible shows us that God gets angry, and God feels joy, and God feels sadness. We see in Jesus the example of emotion. He also got angry. He wept. He got stressed. He got frustrated. He was lonely at times. He was disappointed, but... Even in his emotion, he never sinned. Amen? Now, I'm not Jesus. I'm not perfect. And so sometimes emotions do cause me some problems. How about you? Right? When sin entered the world, the curse of sin corrupted all aspects of creation and mankind. So the perfect bodies that God gave us became susceptible to aging and sickness and decay and death. And our souls... Our souls were also corrupted by the curse of sin, and that's what separates us from God and interferes with God's original design. Some of you today, you might not be Christians, you might not believe in God, and sin has separated you from God. I need you to understand that. Theologians say that the soul is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. So it's a critical element of who you are, your identity, your being. And because of sin corrupting our soul, we sometimes think unhealthy thoughts, we are drawn by unhealthy desires, and we feel unhealthy emotions, which can mislead us. Our emotions can get the best of us and lead us to do and say things that aren't healthy for us. So sometimes, you know, we'll get mad and we'll lose our tempers. 
Or maybe sometimes you get sad and you just can't shake it no matter what happens. Or you get worried and you can't sleep. Or you feel lonely and you don't know how to to fix that. We all want to be happy, but sometimes it feels like happiness is just slipping through your fingers. And I honestly think that Christians particularly have a hard time admitting when they're struggling with emotions. There's almost like this idea, well, you know, if I'm a Christian, I I shouldn't be worried if I trust God, and I should never get angry if I have the peace of Jesus, and I shouldn't be sad if I have the joy of the Lord, right? We we feel this kind of, this tug and pull, and, and oftentimes guilt about even just feeling a lot of the emotions that we feel. The truth is, You can't always help the way you feel in a particular situation or moment. Like sometimes, you know, have you ever told someone, you hurt my feelings? And they said, well, you shouldn't feel that way. (laughs) I think I've probably said that to people before. (laughs) And you're like, I can't help it. I can't help the way I feel. So here's the thing. You can't always help the way you feel, but God can help you in the midst of what you're feeling. God wants to help you become emotionally healthy. And I want you to understand right up front as we start this series, there is nothing wrong with Christians going to psychiatrists or counselors or taking medication for anxiety or depression. There has been stigmas about those things. And there are people that say, well, if you just have faith and if you just pray, you shouldn't need any of those things. And I'm here as a pastor. I'm like, no, there's some people, some people that should, should be doing that for sure. Like there's some people I'm praying they start taking medication. You know what I mean? Those can be helpful tools, but we just need to remember that the Lord is the best counselor, and Jesus, the great physician, is the best medicine, amen? In Psalm 30, verse 2, it says, O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought my soul up from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. So this word, Sheol, It is in Hebrew, can be translated as a place of exile, a place of the dead, a place of separation from God. Quite literally could be translated as hell. And if you've struggled with emotional problems, you know that it can be a living hell. But God is able to redeem your soul from the pit and restore you from the depths of emotional Hell, that's what he does. In Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He restores your soul, which means he changes the way we think. He changes our desires, and he changes our emotions. He restores us from the curse of sin and its effects. That means God can heal your emotional problems. He can give you peace and comfort and the joy of the Lord, stability and strength. Does that sound good? So I want to start the first week of this series talking to those of you who would say, I'm so worried. That's probably one of the most common negative emotions that people feel. And my unscientific poll in the church Facebook group proved that that's true. I'm so worried. Now, this is something I kind of resonate with. I'm naturally a protective person. I've always felt protective of my family, of my friends, wanted to defend them. And, you know, when I got married to Amy, it kind of kicked it up 
a whole nother level. And I've talked about this in the past, but, you know, I went through a season where I started to worry about her. Whenever she'd go out and just, you know, be out running errands or be driving to work, you know, I'd kind of start dealing with this irrational worry that something bad was going to happen to her. I just started worrying, like, any minute now, my phone's going to ring and and it's going to be someone saying, like, Amy got in an accident. And, And I started to just go down this trail of worried thinking. You know what I'm talking about? Where you just kind of, like, spin out of control and you're like, she's going to get in an accident and, and you know, she's going to die and then I'm going to be alone and I'm going to be a widow. No one's going to want a widower. No one's going to want to marry me. I'm going to be, I'm going to have to wash my own laundry. It's like, it's going to be crazy. And like, you just think like, man, what? And, and the thing is like, it never happened. She was okay. And then I found what happened was I became a dad to a little girl. And then I learned how to worry on a whole nother level. It's like the, the, the worried feelings I thought I felt just got amplified with a little baby, you know. And, and, and I think I, as I just saw her start to grow and, and develop, it, it just kind of grew. My worry grew with it. I remember she started kind of walking, and she's still in this phase where she's walking pretty good. She'll run, but, but she kind of walks around like a drunk baby gorilla, you know, where... <laughs> You just, like, every time she walks, I just, I can't help but, but have to fight against this worry that she's going to trip on her own little baby gorilla legs and just fall face first into the corner of the coffee table and crack her head open. She's going to be bleeding everywhere, and people are going to be like, you're not a very good dad. You let your baby crack her head open, and I'm going to, and I just go down this, this death spiral of worry. It can just kind of go out of control so easily just wanting to protect her you know when I was on vacation one morning I woke up early and I opened my news app on my phone and I read this I just saw this article I started reading this article about a little baby girl who had swallowed a button battery and her parents didn't know about it and unfortunately she ended up dying and I'm reading this this article in bed in the dark, Amy's still sleeping, and I am just gripped in that moment by worry. I started crying just thinking about this little girl dying, about what if that happened to my little girl. Amy wakes up, and I'm like, we got to check the house. We got to check the house for batteries. You know, it's just like, it's just so easy to worry about the people you love, all the things that could go wrong. I heard one person say, worry is an internal false prophet who prophesies a Christless future of doom. It's easy to get trapped in those feelings. And I I would say that's our country right now. People have become addicted to worry. Depending on their political persuasion, they're either worrying right now about new variants of the COVID virus, the, the Delta variant, the Mickey Mouse variant, all the variants. Or they're worried about people who haven't got vaccines yet. Like, those people are not getting vaccines. Or they're worried about having to get the vaccine. Like, oh, if I have to get the vaccine, I'm going to turn into a zombie. Like, I don't, like, they're, they're worried. Everybody's worried about something. And there are some feelings like sadness or anger, which are not necessarily unhealthy feelings to feel sometimes. But you need to understand that from the Bible, we see that worry is never an emotion that God wants you to feel. He never wants you to just sit and be worried. And so what I'm going to talk about today is that we should worry about nothing, we should think about good things, and we should pray about everything. It says in Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything, tell God what you need, and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's 
peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So first, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. We're supposed to worry about nothing. Worry about nothing. There are no shortages, really, of of things you could possibly worry about. And you might think, you know, that you're unique and you've got special circumstances, but I would guess that most of us probably worry about the same things. We worry about provision. You know, what's going on at my job? Are we going to make it through this crazy economy? Someone got laid off the other day. What if I get laid off next? I'm not going to have an income, and, and I'm not going to be able to provide for my family, and, and where am I going to get a job? We start to worry, you know, what's going to happen? Am I going to be ready for retirement? Am I going to have enough saved? What's going to happen to the stock market? I, I can't control it. I don't know. I'm worried. We worry about our health, I think. What if I'm I'm not okay. What if I get sick? What if I never get better? What if I I get a diagnosis and find out there's something wrong with me and it can't be cured and it ruins my life? We worry about our kids, amen? You know, I mean, I I just want them to survive childhood. I want them to grow up and be healthy and learn and and then end up liking me someday. I'm worried. We worry about relationships, you know. Well, do my friends, do my friends like me? Do, do, they, do they want to be with me? Do, does my, do my friends at work like me? Do they accept me? People worry about going to church. Some of you maybe came to church today as a guest and you were worried, like, if I go to church, are they going to accept me? Are they going to make me feel weird? Are they going to ostracize me because of the problems in my life? We, we worry about all these things. Philippians 4, 6, though, it says, don't worry about anything. And we're like, but, 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 but God, but God. And he says, anything, don't worry about anything as important of all, as all those things are. God says you don't need to worry about them. You should be responsible. We should make wise decisions. But we should not sit around thinking about all the ways that things could go wrong, spiraling down this death spiral of doom. Worrying. Could you imagine going into a car dealership and uh, just, you know, walking up to one of the sales clerks and being like, hey, um, here's a check. They'd be like, oh, thanks. What, what's the check for? Just a down payment on a car in case my car gets stolen. I just want you to have the, you know, you, no, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't do that, right? But I've heard it said that worry is a down payment on a problem you may never have. Isn't that true? You spend energy on things that may never even happen when you worry. And isn't it true that worrying is exhausting? It just uses up so much emotional energy. That's why the devil loves it when you worry. Because you use up your limited amount of energy worrying about things and problems that might never happen instead of fulfilling God's calling on your life. And doing good things for the cause of Christ and the kingdom of God. So the devil's like, yeah, worry some more. And we believe this lie that if we spend time today worrying about the future, we can have peace in the future. Charles Spurgeon said, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It only empties today of its strength. That's why a lot of people don't have the courage to do what God's called them to do. Because they use up all their strength worrying about all the ways things could go wrong. Like I remember before we launched our bold campaign to expand our church here in Mesa, 
I, I was wrestling with a little bit of worry, honestly, as a pastor. I was like, what if we announce this thing and we talk about we're going to do this, but then everyone's like, I'm not doing it. No one, no one supports it. No one gets on board. No one is behind it. It, it, it could be like this, this catastrophic failure, and then everyone will like laugh at me, and, and it'll be this terrible story. No, I, I was struggling a little bit. I had to put that aside and say, no, if God's called us to it, we got to do it. And, and then when last year happened and everything shut down, I remember even pastors were like, well, we're, we're going to stop our building program. We're going to stop building. Uh, we probably shouldn't build because you don't know what's going to happen. And I'm like, well, yeah, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. But we do know that God's called us to do this. So we can't worry about all the ways things could go wrong and what if this happens and what if. We just got to do what we know God has called us to do. Right. One thing that God taught me when I was younger, I didn't, I didn't know a lot, but one thing that I feel like he did teach me when I was younger was that most of the things we worry about, later we look back on and realize it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Amen? It wasn't that big of a deal. That's why God tells us to fear not. So don't spend energy worrying about problems you might never face. Don't use up all your strength stressing about issues you might never have to deal with. Instead, do this. Think about good things. Think about good things. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. So I asked for an assistant to help me out with this part of the sermon. This is Becky. Our staff affectionately calls this mannequin Becky. And uh, so I've asked her to come out and help me. And today, um, this is bad news Becky. And she represents all the bad news and all the worried thoughts that kind of rattle around in your head. What a lot of us do is we don't think about good things. Instead, we spend way too much time thinking about bad things. What you do, a lot of you, is you wake up and you grab this little death machine and you go to the news app and you start looking through news stories. Like, when's the last time you opened up the news app and the headline said, everything's okay. <laughs> Gonna be a great day. It's never happened. Instead, you read headlines about wildfires and riots and school shootings and the market crashing and political turmoil because fear is one of the most powerful motivators amongst humans. And these news agencies are making dollars when you click so they know that if they can scare you and make you worry about problems you might have, you'll click on the little article, you'll read the stupid article about all the things that might go wrong that aren't actually going to go wrong, and you'll keep coming back for more. And so no wonder that some of you struggle with worry. It triggers your fear, and you wrestle with all these different concepts and scenarios and circumstances about how the world might fall apart and how everything might go wrong. It's because you're not thinking about good things. Another thing that, that some people do, and some of you have done this, especially in the last year, is you get caught up in the conspiracy bandwagon. You go down the rabbit trail of conspiracies and you click on different blog posts and you read crazy little forum posts about how the government and corporations are all out to get us and it's all a big cover up, it's all a big lie, but, but we, we few, we are aware of these things. And so we can be uh, careful and guard ourselves from all these different things, all all, all these agencies that are out to get us. 
the conspiracy bandwagon. And I know if you're that person right now, you're like, he just doesn't get it. He just, he just doesn't know. I'm talking to you. This is for you. Listen. Not everyone is out to get you. And I just want to say, if you spent a fraction of your time digging into God's word, that you spend digging into conspiracy theories on the internet, you would have God's peace. You'd be overflowing. Another thing we do is we get on social media. Social media. And what I've found, statistics show, research shows, that social media actually tends to make us less social, and it leads us to worry. How many of you, last year, you're doing fine, minding your own business, and all of a sudden, you saw your friends posting on social media, the stores are running out of toilet paper. <laughs> and immediately panic shot through you. And you're like, honey, we got to get toilet paper. <laughs> the stores are running out of food. We got to get food. Go to the store. Get food. You know, it, it's crazy, right? What, what ends up happening last year is that most people ended up gaining weight. I never, and I've never met anyone who died of a dirty butt. Like, ever. Do you think you ever think about that? Like, what's the worst that would happen if we ran out of toilet paper? You'd, like, do your business. You'd have to get in the bathtub and, like... <laughs> if you died of a dirty butt, all our kids would be dead. But yet, everybody was worried about these things. Isn't it kind of ironic that, that it's called a news feed? And, and a lot of you do that. You scroll all day and you feed... Your soul, but you never feel satisfied. And there's that little like circular arrow button at the top. And some of you sit there all day and you click refresh, but you never feel refreshed. <laughs> and then another source of our negative worried thoughts come from TV and movies. I talked to one lady and she was like, Pastor Ryan, I don't know what to do. I'm really struggling with worry. Whenever my husband goes out of town on business, I just get these anxious, worried thoughts, and I can't shake them. Can you pray for me? What should I do? I'm like, well, well tell me, like, what do you do when your husband is out of town? Oh, I do the same thing every night. You know, I make dinner, and then I sit down, and I watch my favorite show, Law and Order, Special Victims Unit. <laughs> I'm like, so you, every, you watch this show about women who get kidnapped and raped and murdered, and you're wondering why you're, why you're struggling with worried thoughts. So if you're constantly filling your mind with stories about serial killers and zombie apocalypses, you're going to struggle with worry. So Philippians 4 says we're supposed to do this instead. Dear brothers and sisters, same chapter, right? One final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So this isn't just happy thinking and positive talk, not asking us to be fake here. It's telling us that we need to turn away from all the negative news and the potentially worried thoughts and fix our thoughts on what is true and good. And when I was younger, you know, I kind of used to have this idea that life was a series of mountaintops and valleys. And I would say, hey, if you're going through a valley right now, God is going to help you get through it. And if you're going through a good season, enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> but that's not real life, actually. In real life, there's always good things and bad things going on at the same time. You'll have struggles and causes to celebrate. 
at the same time. And so what this verse is teaching us is, yeah, there is bad news in the world. There's stuff you could worry about. But instead, you've got to consciously choose to turn your attention towards good thinking, what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable, things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So what the Bible is telling us is, yeah, anxiety and anxious thoughts are going to pop up at times. And don't feel guilty when that happens. Some of you, you go down these Christian guilt trips. You're like, I'm so worried. And then you start feeling bad. Like, oh, now I'm kind of worried. I'm not a good Christian because I'm worrying so much. Like, don't do that. Just in that moment, fix your thoughts. And what the Bible says is that we should take unhealthy thoughts captive. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, we demolish... Every argument and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So that means that you cannot control the thoughts that pop into your head. But you can control the thoughts that stay in your head. And sometimes bad news Becky comes along with her bad news like, oh, we're all going to die. Oh, your kids are going to die and they're not going to love you when they grow up. And, and, and you got to just be like, no, Becky, no. <laughs> you got to take those thoughts captive. You're like, I'm the captain of my thoughts. Like, I'm the captain now, Becky. I'm the captain now. I'm in control of the thoughts that are in my mind. I'm not going to let... Worry thoughts and negative Nancy and the bloggers, blogger Becky, tell me about all the ways that we're going to be doomed and die and not be okay. What I've got to do in those moments is not empty my mind. Eastern religion tells us to clear your mind. Just need to relax and clear your mind. No, the devil loves it. The devil loves the idea of you clearing your mind because it leaves the door wide open for him to come in and fill it with lies. The Bible never says one time to clear your mind. The Bible says that you should take captive these thoughts and replace them with what is true, what is lovely, right? So you get, you get rid of bad news, Becky. We don't got time for that. And instead, you fill your mind with what is true, with what is good, with what is noble and worthy of praise. That's why you need to know what the Bible says. It's not just interesting historical information. These aren't just meaningless religious scriptures that we memorize to prove how devoted we are. The word of God is filled with promises that are true and meant to give you the peace you need to overcome worry. So when I start to worry and think about all the things that go wrong, I got to go back to the promises of God. God says he will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. He he says he has plans to give you hope and a future. He says when you pass through the waters, he will be with you. When you go through the fires, you will not be burned. He says he will help you and uphold you with his mighty right hand. He says he will send his angels to watch over you, that he'll never leave you or forsake you. He says that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, the present or the future, the powers, the heights of depth, right, anything in all creation will ever be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he says he's going to keep his promises to you and to your children and your children's children and a thousand generations. 
And so we've got to stand on his promises and reject worried thoughts, fill our minds with what is true. We know what is true. See, a lot of us worry because we worry about all these problems we might never actually even face, things that are uncertain. Well, that's what a lot of you do. You're like, oh, oh this could happen and this could happen. Like, you don't know if that's going to happen. What we need to do is focus our thoughts on the promises of God, which are guaranteed. And, and that's really the difference. You've got to separate the two, right? Your problems, a lot of the problems and things you worry about, it's like you don't even know if those things are going to come to pass. You think you've got problems you don't even actually have. But God's promises you know are true and you know you can trust. Some of you spend more time thinking about promises you don't even have than the promises of God you definitely have. So you need to spend less time digging into conspiracy theories and blogs and news articles, more time digging into God's word. Think about good things. And lastly, pray about everything. When you talk to yourself about your own problems, you get worried. But when you talk to God about your problems, you find peace. Philippians 4, 6 says, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So you're supposed to tell him what you need. That, that would be useful instead of just Googling the answers to all your problems. Maybe I should tell God, the creator of the universe, what I need and thank him for all he has done. Well, Why? That's the question I ask. Why should we thank him for all he has done? How is that going to help me to not worry about what might happen in the future? Well, see, it's not that God needs to hear gratitude from you. It's that you need to remind yourself of God's faithfulness to you. If you've been a Christian for more than a few minutes, you've probably heard a sermon like this before. You've probably heard sermons about not worrying, not being afraid before. In fact, I'm probably not going to say anything today you haven't already heard. But that's okay because we don't struggle with worry due to a lack of knowledge. We struggle with worry because of a lack of faith. We lose faith when we lose sight of the truth. Matthew 6, Jesus says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? The answer is no. Science has even proven that worry shortens your life. He says, God will certainly care for you. He says, watch, why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Non-Christians think that way. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So God doesn't want you to worry. He gives you assurance that he will provide for your needs. And he uses Jesus uses the most basic example of food and clothing. If you're like me, you read that, and maybe on some level you think, well, honestly, I don't need help with food. Jesus, like, there's a lot of places I could go and get food. I could go to the Generation Church food pantry if I really need help with food. And I'm more worried about the big things 
the things that I can't control, the medical problems that I'm facing, the stock market, my daughter's future boyfriends. I'm worried about the bump I found, the layoffs at work, the economy. Right? I'm worried about those things. And what happens, the reason we worry is we start to believe that our problems are greater than God's power. If you believe that God's power is truly great, It'll give you so much peace. But when you start to get this, this idea, and you, like, I wouldn't say that, but in your heart, subconsciously, you, you kind of believe it. Well, my problems are so big. And, and some of you, you struggle with this. You wonder, either God doesn't care about my problems, or you worry and you wonder, can he even do anything about my problems if he does care? But Jesus makes it clear to us that he cares and he can the good news is that God is good to us even when we don't give him enough credit. Amen. It says in 2 Timothy 3.13, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Even when we worry and we lack faith and we have anxiety that's kind of coursing through us, we have to be reminded again and again that God is faithful. He is good to us. He has only ever always been good to us. And he has good things in store for us. That's why again and again in scripture he says, fear not. But then he also adds the, the, the reason why we shouldn't fear. He says, for I am with you. Like last night, my little daughter, she wasn't sleeping very good. She kind of cried out. She was kind of struggling. And, you know, we went into her room and we comforted her. And we said, it's okay. We're here. Dad, Daddy's here. Mommy's here. Like we're with you. And it gave her comfort, helped her to fall back asleep. We have to recognize, like Jesus said, God is our Father. He cares for us, and we don't have to worry because he's all-powerful and he's with us. We have to be reminded of who is in control. There are some things you cannot control. There are some things that only God can control. So we have to understand this. We have to understand the difference between the I can and this is the God can. And so what happens is sometimes we get confused about these, these two categories and the, the situations, the problems that we face. You know, like I talked to one guy, he's like, Pastor Ryan, I'm really struggling with, with my finances. And I'm like, well, what are you doing, man? Like, you're going you're gonna, to, like, make a budget? And he's like, well, I'm just, I'm just going to trust God. I'm just going to believe for God to provide you. I've got this one rich aunt. I'm just believing any day now. She's going to die. It's going to solve all my problems. I'm like, bro, really what you probably need is a budget. You probably just need to Dave Ramsey it up and make a budget and get your finances in control. But people say like, well, really, I want God to fix that problem for me. And if you rely on God to fix problems that you can fix, it's just going to cause you to unnecessarily struggle in life. You know, I, I talked to one guy. He's like, Pastor Ryan, I'm kind of lonely. I just, I really want to find the one. Why won't girls date me? And I'm like, well, what are you doing, man? Like, are, are you doing anything about this situation? He's like, well, I'm just praying that Mrs. Wright is going to walk through those doors. She's going to walk right up to me and she's going to say, you're the man of my dreams. And I'm like, bro, what you probably need is to take a shower. I know you think the sweat glisten Thor look is working for you, but girls think that's gross. And actually, you know, what you could do is get a job because girls think jobs are sexy. Get, 
get a job, and that'll also help with that as well. You know, Pastor Ryan, I'm so stressed. Like, I need God to give me peace in my life. Well, bro, you need to look at your schedule. That's something you can control. You can make adjustments to your schedule. But what we do is we try to take these things that, you know, really I can do. I'm responsible for these things, and we try to put those things on God. And it causes stress in our lives, causes stress for our families. And then the reason that we worry is we try to take responsibility for things that only God can do. Like you talk to some people all the time, they'll message me and say, you know, Pastor Ryan, I'm sick. I'm getting ready to go through chemotherapy. I'm worried. And, And you need to understand, you know, there are some things you can do. You can go see doctors. You can, you know, make sure your diet is healthy, but only God can provide healing, right? If you try to take responsibility for what only God can do, it's going to cause you to worry. Some of you worry about your kids so much, but only God can protect your kids. You can send them to the right schools, and you can baby-proof your house, and you can be there, but you can't be there all the time. Eventually, right, they're going to be out of sight, and you're going to have to put your kids' lives in God's hands and recognize, God, you love my kids more than I do. You're the one who can protect them and send your angels to watch over them. I've got to trust you, right? These are not things that I can control. And Some of you worry about, am I going to have enough? And you stay up at night with, with just with stress and anxiety, like, man, what, what if it is a bubble and the stock market crashes? What if my job has layoffs, right? Only God can provide for your needs. You can make a good resume. You can work hard at work, but you cannot control what your boss does. You cannot control what the stock market does, right? If you try to take responsibility for those things, oh, I can control it, right? It's just gonna cause you to worry and be so stressed. These are things you just gotta lift up to God in prayer and say, God, you've been so good to me up till now. I'm gonna put my life in your hands. I'm gonna trust you to provide for my needs and make Everything comes together for good according to your purpose. God, there's some things that only you can do. See, when you spend time worrying about things you can't control, that's just useless. If you waste time, you know, worrying about things that you can control, that's stupid. If it's something that you can control, yes, jump in and do it. But if it's something only God can control, you've got to surrender it to him. You've got to put it in his hands and say, this is something only God can fix. Some things only God can fix. For example, today, there could be people here, maybe you came as a guest, and you've been trying to carry the burden of your own sin, thinking that somehow you can make it all okay by doing enough good deeds to outweigh the bad deeds. Maybe you have, have kind of felt for a while like you're far from God and you're wondering, you know, how can I find closeness with God and learn about who he is and, and what he wants from me, right? The burden of sin, which is something that we all have, is something we cannot deal with on our own. We have got to give our sin to Jesus and let him take that burden from us. Only Jesus can deal with it. That's why he died on the cross, because he was paying the price for your sin, allowing him to remove it from you. Jesus, he rose again from the grave, conquering death so that we don't have to worry what's going to happen when I die. We know as Christians, if I put my faith in Jesus, I'm going to have eternal life. I'm going to be with God forever. I don't have to fear the future. And there can be people here today, you've never accepted Jesus, and right now you know that you need to. 
Maybe you even grew up in church when you were young, but you know right now, I need to make it real. I need a relationship with God. Let's all bow our heads right now and close our eyes. If that's you and you say, I want to have a relationship with Jesus today, then pray this prayer with me. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm giving you my sin. I'm asking you to take that burden away. I thank you for dying on the cross in my place to pay the price for my wrongs. I thank you for forgiveness. I ask you to forgive me right now when I accept your forgiveness. I want to follow you from this day forward. I thank you and I believe that you rose again from the grave and I accept the gift of eternal life. Lord, you're so good and I thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Hey, let's stand to our feet at all of our locations right now. We're going to take a moment here to respond to this message. But for anyone today who is struggling with worried thoughts, I want to pray for you before we wrap this up. So if that's you, go ahead and just raise a hand. You say, that's me. I've had some anxious thoughts, some worried thoughts. Some of you are like, I'm not raising my hand. What if people judge me? I'm going to pray for you too. You don't need to be ashamed of feeling worried thoughts. God wants to help you in those feelings, those worried feelings. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. And God, I pray that you give every single one of your people peace today. Lord, we rest in you and we trust in you. We lift up every situation, every circumstance to you. We put all these things into your hands, God. We know that only you can provide. Only you can heal. Lord, we know that only you can protect our kids. There are so many things that we cannot control. And so instead of trying to control those things, Lord, we're going to trust you with those things. We're going to put these things in your hands and we're going to rest in your goodness. We thank you for being faithful even when we lack faith. We give you praise in Jesus' name.